Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Great Brazilian team. Gout, it's there. They're ahead. It's one of the biggest sporting events in the world. And today, we're giving you an inside look at the teams and playoff pictures to date. As we present Atlanta Soccer Tonight. It's Listen as Jason Longshore gives you all the latest in the world of soccer. As we break down the matchups and get you insights you can only find here. It's oh, he's in the post. has to. He's in the post. But it's finally Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Jason Longshore. Let's kick it. Atlanta Soccer tonight, live on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. I'm Jason Longshore. Welcome to our weekly show where we cover soccer in Atlanta, in the state of Georgia, in the southeast, United States, and worldwide. That's what we do here on AST. And we got a lot to talk about this week. Huge win for Atlanta United at home over Nashville on the weekend. Two games this week for the Five Stripes. The MLS playoff race is really starting to heat up. We'll get you ready for all of that. All kinds of news worldwide. Some really dumb things going on in the game. Some really good things going on in the game. The 3-4-3 will get you up to speed on all of that. But we're going to start with Atlanta United's big 4-0 win over Nashville on Saturday night. The worst loss in Nashville SC club history. And look, this is a continuation of what Atlanta United did in Seattle. I think it was more thorough in terms of the quality of the performance. It was more complete. It was really, really impressive to see the same lineup start in Seattle and then start here. And improve over that week of training time. You also get to include Sabo Lobjanitsa for the first time, and he's going to be a fun one, I can tell you that. I like where things are. 
you have to continue to build. Because other teams in this league have improved as well. Atlanta United's not the only team that has improved over the summer transfer window. And, yeah, let's let's start with that transfer window. You know, I, we've talked about it with Tristan Muyamba. You saw him against Cruz Azul in the League's Cup. He started three games now for Atlanta United since joining the club. Sean De Silva has started two. Saba Lobjanitsa has appeared in one. Have not seen Jamal Tiari yet. He will be hopefully joining the club this week. It's a pretty good window. And I feel like we had this conversation on this show. Uh, maybe refresh me if we did not. Um, I know I've talked about it in quite a few different places. At the beginning of the window, yes, there were outgoing moves from Atlanta United, and there was a lot of reaction, a lot of volume in reaction, a lot of things being said. Have some of those things been deleted? I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering because I feel like the the thing I tried to drive home at that time was you can't judge every single move by itself you have to take the window in totality. And moves happened. And I think they've been proven to be good moves so far. Look, it's 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 short time. It's it's there's time that things could go many different directions. You know, it's not a done deal as of yet. But Tristan Muyamba has looked the part. Sean De Silva is the one that I think could be the, the biggest gain out of this because there was very little risk in bringing him in on loan, and he's been incredibly impressive. Saba Lobjaniza, I think, will absolutely live up to the hype of him coming in. I, I like his skill set. I think it fits into this group really well. You can't judge a team's transfer window success on isolated moves. I don't think they wanted to give up Andrew Gutman and Franco Ibarra in the way and at the time that they did. But these things were necessary to improve the overall club. And that's what this group has done. And Carlos Bocanegra deserves a lot of credit for getting these deals done and getting them over the line and getting these guys in here and, and all the work in terms of scouting them and, and getting deals finalized and all the support from Garth Lagerway. I, I think it is it has been a very productive window. Now, what is next for Atlanta United after this kind of a win? I think they can get better. I think this is not the pinnacle of 2023 for this team. It might be the biggest result in terms of margin. That could definitely be the case by the time we get to the end of 2023 and we reflect. But in terms of quality, they can be better. They can definitely be better. I, I think... You have to go back and, and look at the biggest glaring issue with this squad prior to the League's Cup break. It was defense. It was bad goals being conceded. It was mistakes being made on the defensive side. Getting Miles Robinson back, getting Luis Abram up to the level that he is playing at now, getting Caleb Wiley and Brooks Lennon back at fullback. It's not an entirely new back line. These guys were all here at the beginning of the year. But getting them together and playing in this manner with wingers in front who can cause teams problems, I think it's made the defensive side a lot 
better. And, and that's been the biggest jump for me. Back-to-back clean sheets. Honestly, you go back to the Cruz Azul game, it's one mistake that they end up getting punished on, and that's where they concede the only goal in that game. Defensively, this team has been much improved. Tyler Pilgrim of Scars and Stripes asked Gonzalo Pineda after the match on Saturday night about that center back pairing, Miles Robinson and Luis Abram, and why things are so good defensively right now. Here's what Gonzalo Pineda had to say about his defense. Well, uh, I wouldn't just just put everything on those two. They they've been great. They've been very good. A uh, couple tackles they did today. A couple covers. Their, their speed to actually recover against fast players. It was pretty awesome. But I always said the same as I am uh, saying about our attack it starts with Brad and how we play from the back. The same thing on the other side. So everything starts with Jaku putting those efforts to press Thiago, uh, Shande, Edwin pressing, being aggressive in, in in the way in the moments we have to press and not making easy for them to have uh, good passes for their attackers. I think today. Mokhtar wasn't happy on the field. He wasn't feeling comfortable because most of the balls he touched, he was under pressure. It wasn't easy passes for him, and he was able to receive and turn many times. So I think he wasn't comfortable, and it was part of the game plan. But everything starts also with uh, higher on the field. Of course, the back four, the midfielders, Brad, were amazing. Brad did a couple very good saves, the defenders. But for me, it's a collective effort always in attack and, and in defense. I agree, and it, it's something that I talked about on Dukes and Bell earlier today. You can't separate offense and defense as separate units in this game, and especially the way that Atlanta United's playing. The attackers have to defend. The defenders have to attack. You have to have everything in sync and being copacetic on the field, and I think Atlanta United's getting that right now. The work that they're doing on the ball is allowing them to be better defensively because when you're connecting passes, when you're able to string passes together, get players in positions where you want, then if the ball turns over, and, and look, it does, it will, it happens all the time, then you are in a position to either win the ball back quickly and even when that doesn't happen, you're at least in a position to be able to mitigate the damage, not allow the team to break out and get into transition. Ani Mukhtar didn't really have a whole lot to do in this match at Mercedes-Benz Stadium because those opportunities where Nashville has been so good in transition, they were very limited. Now, early on, I thought Nashville was actually pretty interesting. Nashville kept the ball a good bit, maybe got out of their comfort zone a little bit, took Atlanta out of their comfort zone a little bit, and Nashville's best opportunity of the match came really early in this one. And Brad Gazan stepped up with a critical save at that point. Here's what it sounded like on the broadcast. Mokhtar waiting for the whistle. He's the only man standing over the ball. One-man wall for Atlanta. There is the whistle. Mokhtar will swing this to the near post. Had it on and saved the kick save by Guzan. And then out for... What's been really good in these two games is... Brad Kazan hasn't had a whole lot to do in terms of making those saves. Sometimes that can be really difficult when you're not as involved and then you have to step up and make a big play. The good thing for Kazan is he's always in the rhythm of the game because he's very heavily used in possession and in buildup. And it's something that Gonzalo Pineda wants this team to continue to do. It gives you the free man. You're able to then build up play, use positional play, 
to get the team forward. Gazan can can step up and play a little bit higher and allow the back line to play a little bit higher. If Brooks Lennon goes forward and steps into the midfield, you can move things around a little bit to where Brad Gazan is there as part of your buildup, um, even in where it looks a little bit like a, a disjointed back four. Brad Gazan's ability on the ball and then his veteran leadership and his experience to be able to step up in those moments when he needs to. And hopefully he won't have to step up a whole lot. But you know what happens. You know you have those. It's a set piece. It's an opportunity where things break down. To have an experienced goalkeeper who can make plays like he did early in this match, that's going to be important the rest of the way. Now, today, Tiago Almada and Miles Robinson were named to the MLS team of the match day. Sean De Silva was named to the bench. Almada was later named the player of the match day. And, you know, when you have a goal and two assists and nearly a third, but it took a deflection, that's why he didn't get to tie the club record there. He broke the club record in key passes, nine chances created by Tiago Almada on Saturday night. Nine now, a few other things out of Saturday and starting to look ahead the rest of the week. Gonzalo Pineda picked up a yellow card in the first half. Still a little inexplicable for me. Felt like a, a very uh, quick hook there on the yellow card. And Pineda will miss Wednesday's match. He won't be able to be on the sideline. He can meet with the team in the morning. He can meet with the team at lunch. He can meet with the team before they head to the stadium. And you can rearrange all these different things to make it to where he can have all the input that you need to have. And then he just won't be on the bench. It will be Rob Valentino. It will be Diego De La Torre. It will be Liam Curran. It will be Eugenio Villazon. Uh, not sure who will be in charge. I'm assuming Rob Valentino with his experience as an interim manager. So Gonzalo Pineda will have plenty of input into everything that he needs to have input into in terms of Wednesday's match against Cincinnati. He just won't be sitting on the bench during the match. Now, speaking of Cincinnati, the orange and blue they bounced back from their U.S. Open Cup elimination with a 3-0 just wrecking ball of New York City. Pigeons have some issues, but Cincinnati, full credit to them after playing 120 minutes last Wednesday, losing in penalties, blowing a two-goal lead in that to Miami. It was a big character-building response in this one against New York City. Aaron Bupenza started the scoring in the sixth minute of the match. Just looked like Cincinnati was going to continue to go from there. They got their 10th clean sheet of the season. They only allowed four shots on target. Second goal came from a pass from Luciano Acosta. Junior Moreno put it home. Third goal came from Acosta as well. Nick Hagland with the header. Acosta, two assists. He now sits in a tie for fourth in Major League Soccer with 10 assists in league play. Close to 10 goals as well. Acosta is in the MVP race, in my opinion. I think Tiago Almada is leading the MVP race after his performance on Saturday. But Luciano Acosta is in that conversation, and this is a massive game on Wednesday between the two number 10s. Roman Celentano, the goalkeeper for FC Cincinnati, his club record 10th clean sheet of the season, four saves, was really good in the 18 throughout the night. He's really locked down that job. Remember, Alec Can went to Cincinnati expecting to get the opportunity to be the starter, got displaced, I think, due to injury last year, and Celentano has not given up the spot. Now, after Wednesday, Wednesday's tough enough as it is, after Wednesday, the Five Stripes head to Texas. Saturday night, they'll face FC Dallas. 
Dallas is in Lewis on Wednesday. You're looking to choose an opponent for a team to play before you're going to play them on short rest. St. Louis would be on that list. This is a team that's going to press. It's a team that's intense. It's a team that's going to wear you out over 90 minutes. Dallas has to deal with that on Wednesday. Then they come back home to Frisco and face Atlanta United. So they have travel as well on Wednesday. Not too long of a trip, but still travel to deal with on Wednesday. Now, Dallas on Saturday night, they found a very late, late, late winner in the 97th minute to beat Austin in Frisco, Texas, 1-0. Big result for Atlanta on the weekend. Still work to do to continue to improve. They'll be rocking the 404 kit at home on Wednesday night. It brought some pretty good luck in its first appearance. Hopefully, it can do the same against Cincinnati, and uh, there will be no Skyline Chili at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, thankfully. All right, coming up next on Atlanta Soccer tonight, we will get into the playoff picture in Major League Soccer, some of the big games around the league to watch for this week. Stay with us on AST. We'll be back in five minutes on 92.9 Game and the Odyssey app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, Atlanta Soccer Tonight, live on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. 
Atlanta United's big win over Nashville on Saturday night. That puts them into sixth place in the MLS Eastern Conference on 41 points. Sixth place by themselves. Two points out of second. Crazy, crazy year in 2023 in the Eastern Conference. Now, just as a refresher, and I started bringing this really into the conversation on various platforms last week as a reminder, the MLS playoff format is different in 2023 than you might be accustomed to. Nine teams in each conference go to the postseason. Teams in the eighth and ninth spot in each conference will play each other in a one-game wild card play-in. The winner of that will then play the top-seeded team. Second seed will play seven. Third seed will play six. Fourth seed will play fifth. Those are best of threes in the opening round. The higher seed will have the advantage of, of the third game if they need it at home. That's a little different. Then after that, it's it's single game elimination, higher seed hosts. So nine teams get in, but seeding is very important. Top four is very important in that scenario. And a best of three to manage in that first round of the postseason. That's going to be a little complicated. We'll see how this plays out in 2023. Now, in the Eastern Conference, Cincinnati coming to town on Wednesday night. They lead the way. They lead the Supporter Shield race. Lead the Supporter Shield race by 10 points. Lead the Eastern Conference by 11, 54 points, 16, 3, and 6 on the year. They've won three of their last four in league play 11 points back philadelphia in second they've won three in a row the union in league play now remember there was the break for leagues cup and that kind of makes some of these numbers a little bit weird in terms of games to play and all this sort of stuff philly's got a game in hand on cincinnati they're on 43 also on 43 is new england who has won two of their last five the revs don't have george a. petrovich anymore he is off to chelsea they don't have Bruce Arena still. I I would love some kind of an answer from the league about this administrative leave that Bruce Arena is on. I mean, at some point there's got to be a resolution, right? Like, Richie Williams is fully capable in charge, but is Bruce suspended? What did he do? We don't even know. It's, it's, a, it's a mess. Also on 43 points, Orlando. They're in fourth place. Philly's got the tiebreaker on both of them on wins, and then you start to get into goal differential. That's what separates New England and Orlando. Philly and New England also have a game in hand on Orlando, but all of them are on 43 points. That's second, third, fourth. Fifth in the East is Columbus. They're on 42 points. They've won back-to-back games in league play. Atlanta is next on 41 in sixth place. Nashville is in seventh on 38 points. They have lost four in a row in league play. Now, they made the League's Cup run to the final, but they've lost four in a row in league play. Nashville, got to keep an eye on them. In the wild card spots right now, Montreal, they got a late winner over the weekend. Our old friend George Campbell with that goal. Montreal's won three in a row in league play. They're in eighth on 35 points, so three points out of a full playoff spot. They have a five-point cushion in a wild-card spot. Chicago's in the last wild-card spot. 30 points, or 32 points. They've lost two in a row. Now, on the outside looking in, D.C., two points out of the playoffs. They've lost three in a row, though, 
Time's getting a little short there for D.C. Red Bulls, they've lost three of their last four. They're on 29, three points out. Charlotte's also three points out, but they beat LAFC at Bank of America Stadium over the weekend. So keep an eye on Charlotte. NYC, they haven't won in their last five. They've lost three in a row. They're on 26 points. They're in 13th. Toronto in 15th point. We're going to talk about Toronto in the 3-4-3 as well. It's, it's L's everywhere for Toronto right now. Miami's in 14th place. Miami won at Red Bull Arena. They're on 21 points. They've only played 23 games. They've got quite a few games in hand. Yeah, you have to start thinking about Miami making this kind of a run. You have to consider it at this point. I thought it was crazy talk when all this started with Lionel Messi amigos coming to town. It's not. You got to keep an eye on Miami and them continuing to figure out ways to do this. You've got young players around legends elevating their game. You've got the legends <laughs> playing really, really well. It's uh, it's an interesting storyline. It's an interesting mix with what the Herons are doing right now. And, look, they're going to get all the headlines and all the awards and all the attention, and that's fine. That's, that's fine. It's actually kind of nice that Atlanta United may be flying under the radar a little bit. Other teams are going to be happy to be flying under the radar a little bit as well. But Miami, 21 points. They're 11 points behind Chicago. They have 11 matches to go. There's time. This is going to get very, very interesting the rest of the way. Now let's jump over to the Western Conference to, to catch up on our friends out West. St. Louis leading the conference in first place, 44 points. LAFC, both teams lost. Both teams at the top of the, the West lost to teams in the East over the weekend. St. Louis lost to Orlando. LA lost to Charlotte. Seattle drew with Minnesota. They're in third. Salt Lake, same number of points. They lost over the weekend. They're on 37 points in fourth. Houston is in fifth, and the Dynamo might be the hottest team out west. They've won back-to-back. -back. They're into the Open Cup final as well. They're on 35 points. San Jose in sixth place. They're also on 35 points. Vancouver's on 34 points. They won over the weekend. Dallas is in the wild card spot in eighth. They got the win over the weekend. Austin, who lost to Dallas over the weekend, is in the other wild card spot on 32 points. Austin has lost their last two. They have more wins than Minnesota, who is in 10th place. Minnesota's only won two games at home this season. They've only lost two. They've drawn all the rest of them. It's a really weird year for Minnesota. They've been really good on the road. Not good at home. Very strange. Kansas City is in 11th place. They are three points out of a playoff spot. Portland, and Kansas City beat San Jose over the weekend, so keep an eye on sporting. Portland, no Giovanni Savarese anymore. They have lost back-to-back -back matches in league play. They're on 26. Galaxy on 25. Colorado on 19. Now, midweek games to keep an eye on now that we've gone through the tables. Charlotte. Charlotte hosts Orlando in the midweek. And then they go to Nashville on the weekend. Now, it's tough to get points in Nashville even if Nashville is wobbly right now. But Charlotte has an opportunity here, looking at teams ahead of them, especially that game against Nashville. Charlotte has an opportunity here to potentially be in a playoff spot at the end of the weekend. Keep an eye on the crown. Miami, of course, we got to talk about Miami. Why is Nashville potentially wobbling even more? Well, 
They got to go to Fort Lauderdale on Wednesday. After getting polaxed in, in Atlanta on Saturday night, they got to go to the Fiesta in Fort Lauderdale on Wednesday and face Miami. Now, Nashville should be able to find some counterattacking opportunities against Miami. I think teams have shown that there is a way to do this. Hani Mukhtar thrives in those situations. Didn't find him against Atlanta. How is Miami going to handle this one? They didn't start Lionel Messi or Sergio Busquets. They did start Jordi Alba. Jordi Alba, by the way, give that man some flowers for the touch that he had on Messi's goal to go flying through the air and knock that down. Not just knock it down anywhere, but knock it down into a good spot. Lionel Messi did a lot of amazing things in that goal. Don't get me wrong, but Jordi Alba, what a play from him. So he was able to start and go the whole way in this one. Busquets and Messi came on in the 60th minute. Do they start on Wednesday? We'll find out. Nashville could be in a very, very bad spot by the end of the weekend unless they can start to find a way through this. And they need to get Walker Zimmerman back as well. He missed the game on Saturday night. New York City, I mentioned how they are wobbling. They are hosting Montreal. Now, that's another one of those potential, not quite six-pointers exactly, because Montreal has a nine-point gap between them and NYC. But it's critical if your Charlottes, your NYCs, your Red Bulls, your Miamis, your DCs are going to make up this ground. they got to beat the teams ahead of them. This is an opportunity for NYC to do that. They are at home, and they host Montreal in that one. Austin talked about them. They're hosting Seattle, and, and Seattle hasn't won in their last four in league play. They they didn't win in their two league cup game leagues cup games either. Uh, Seattle's a lot of veterans, and if anybody can write the ship, it's Brian Schmetzer. But they have not looked like themselves. They looked frustrated. They looked agitated in the game against Atlanta United a couple weeks ago. I've I've got some questions about what's going on in Seattle. I've got some questions about how they handle a trip to Austin, Texas on the weekend. Now, Austin's got to show that they can do something themselves, and they haven't really done that all season long. Two teams wobbly? We'll see where that one goes. And Portland on the weekend, they are hosting RSL. Look, the Timbers made the decision to fire Giovanni Savarese to try to get a bounce and make up some ground in this playoff race. They missed the playoffs last year. They don't want to miss it two years in a row. Well, they lost to Vancouver over the weekend, and now they have got to deal with RSL coming to town, who has been a lot better than the Timbers this year. It's time to make a statement if you're the Portland Timbers. We'll see if they can do that. Let's look ahead to next weekend. Talked about D.C. United. D.C. hosts Chicago next Saturday. That's a huge game in terms of the wild card spots. Going into the Wednesday games, D.C. is two points behind Chicago. Cincinnati's hosting Orlando. That's a, that's a big game. Orlando trying to make that statement that they are a title contender this year. Not just a good team, a, a top team in the East. Not a team that, like last year, they make the run through the Open Cup. They win that. Are they an MLS Cup title contender? I feel like it's a little bit of a different conversation winning Cups and, and Leagues Cup and Open Cup in that conversation. I feel like it's a different one, though, when you start talking MLS Cup winning team. Because, yes, the regular season matters. All this of talking about seeding matters. Is Orlando one of those kinds of teams? 
they got to go to Cincinnati and show that. Cincinnati at home is maybe going to be the best ever team in Major League Soccer at home in the history of the league. Talked about Nashville hosting Charlotte. That could be a critical game for the boys in gold as they host the crown in that one. And Charlotte might just be in a playoff spot by the end of the weekend. I would not be shocked if that happens. Kansas City hosting St. Louis. couple of rivalries out west. Kansas City hosting St. Louis. Kansas City trying to get themselves into a playoff spot. They've only lost one of their last four. They started the season miserably. They've gotten healthy. They're three points out of a spot right now. Talked about Austin and Seattle in the midweek. Kansas City could play their way into a playoff spot. they got to beat the top team in the conference. But I feel like the top team in the conference, when you're talking about Cincinnati and the challenge that they present versus St. Louis and the challenge that they present, I can see teams getting something against St. Louis a lot more than I can see them getting it against Cincinnati. And that includes Atlanta United on Wednesday night. It will not be easy to get three points. Even at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Cincinnati has been good on the road. Not unbeatable on the road, but good on the road. But they're a top team for a reason, and they're a top team defensively. St. Louis is a top team defensively, but they've had more inconsistencies. And that's why there's such a a 10-point gap between those two teams in 2023. The other big rivalry game out west on Saturday is Seattle hosting Portland. And if the Timbers don't get anything in the midweek, that might be the game that ends up burying the Timbers and their playoff hopes for 2023. And it might rejuvenate the Sounders. Now, Portland would love it if they could shovel some dirt Seattle's direction and get something going. And when you're you're struggling and you're making these changes and you don't know what your identity is going to be going forward, sometimes rivalry games can just snap everything into place for you. We'll find out if it can do that for the Timbers. I'm not optimistic that that's the case, but I'm also not that confident in Seattle getting things done either. So that's kind of the Western Conference to me in 2023. A lot of eh. A lot of, I'm not so sure. That's the West. The East, it's a steel cage match. And it's going to be the rest of the way from second, honestly, down to wherever Miami finishes. Because Miami is not the team that you will be entering that steel cage late with the firepower that they have right now. Now, coming up, final segment, three, four, three. Three local stories, four world headlines, three things that make me smile about this game that we love so much. The 343 is up next in five on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome back. Final segment, Atlanta Soccer tonight on a Monday. Now go ahead and write it down. Next week, Atlanta Soccer tonight, moving to Tuesday nights at 10 o'clock. You can always subscribe to get the show on demand on Off the Woodwork. That's where all of our soccer content from 92.9 The Game and Odyssey live. But Tuesday nights, 10 o'clock, that will be AST going forward. I'm Jason Longshore. Thanks for hanging out with me on our last Monday night for a while. Let's get into the 3-4-3. Y'all know how this goes by now. Three local stories, four headlines, three things that make me smile about this game that I love so much. Let's start with the local. Number one, following her equalizer against Central Florida, who was ranked number 22, by the way, University of Georgia freshman forward Caroline Smith was named the SEC Freshman of the Week. That was announced earlier today. Smith is from Woodstock, played in high school at Blessed Trinity, played youth soccer for UFA, and she helped ignite this big comeback win over a ranked opponent in Central Florida, got the equalizer in the 83rd minute, pounced on the rebound after a shot from Hannah White, White went on to win the match in the final minute of it to score that go-ahead goal and give Georgia the 2-1 win over Central Florida. Keep an eye on Kidani McAlpine's Georgia Bulldogs in the SEC. They were picked to finish fourth by the coaches around the league. That's the kind of win that can get them some momentum. Looking forward to seeing how Georgia fares this year once we get into SEC play. Number two. Other state schools, Georgia State, Georgia Southern, both won yesterday in women's action. The Panthers beat Presbyterian 1-0 on a goal from Maddie Johnston. It was assisted by Bree Barley. Elena Diaz would have had the MLS secondary assist. They had those in, in college soccer. They don't, sadly. I thought Elena Diaz played really well on her birthday and, and helped create that opportunity. Barley with a great cross. Johnston with great composure to put it home. Georgia Southern, give them a ton of credit as well. They went down to Miami, defeated the Hurricanes 2-1, the first win over a Power 5 school for Georgia Southern since 2014. Big things happening for the Eagles in the Sun Belt. Big things happening for the Panthers in the Sun Belt. That's going to be a big game when they meet here in just a few weeks. It's going to be down in Statesboro. You'll be able to watch it on ESPN+. Number three on the local side, Atlanta United 2, back in action this weekend, Saturday, 5 p.m. at Fifth Third Bank Stadium in Kennesaw, 
hosting Cincinnati in MLS Next Pro. Got to get wins, really got to get three points the rest of the way to get into the postseason in MLS Next Pro. Got to keep getting Nick Firmino goals. He is two behind NYCFC's MD Myers, who has 16 on the year. Firmino has 14, two behind him in the MLS Next Pro Golden Boot race. Four headlines from around the world. And number one, we're going to start with uh, Spain's Football Federation basically lighting itself on fire at this point. So the RFEF called for an extraordinary and urgent meeting earlier today as it seeks to manage the fallout from Luis Rubiales, the president of the federation, and his unsolicited kiss of Spanish forward Jenny Hermoso after Spain won the Women's World Cup. Yeah, remember that happened. The Spanish women won the World Cup, and all we're talking about is this moron Luis Rubiales. So Rubiales was going to resign. Everybody, including officials at UEFA, thought he was going to resign at a a meeting on Friday of the Federation and all the different regional heads and all that stuff. They thought up until the point that he walked up to the microphone he was going to resign. The guy pulls a wolf of Wall Street and says he's not resigning. Some other people start clapping for that, which is ridiculous. And then all these other things have started to happen. So FIFA provisionally suspended Rubiales. That's all they can do right now. It's a 90-day suspension until the next meeting of their oversight disciplinary committee. So he's suspended by FIFA, except he's still doing things. He won't step down. He's refused to bow down to it. The Spanish government now, via its Supreme Sports Council, the CSD, they're seeking his removal. They filed a complaint with Spain's administrative sports court, the TAD. That's going to meet this week. So you've got the government trying to step in and get this guy out of there because he won't do it himself. FIFA's done what they can so far. On Earlier today, there was a source within UEFA that told the Associated Press that a member of the Spanish Federation, not Rubiales, I would guess, because he can't really communicate with these people right now, but one of the lieutenants who is loyal to him actually put a request into UEFA because of the governmental influence now in the situation, and FIFA generally doesn't like that. UEFA doesn't either. They don't allow governments to get involved in the football matters. Well, somebody from the Spanish Federation went to UEFA and said, well, you guys should suspend the, the Spanish Federation, which would mean you should suspend Real Madrid and, and Barcelona from the Champions League and all kinds of other things. Basically kick Spain out of football. Somebody from Spain wanted them to do this. The UEFA said, no, we're not doing that. We, we see through your ploy. It's like a wily e. Coyote tactic here uh, of trying to get this done. No, that's not going to work. UEFA said no. So, in addition, if this isn't ridiculous enough at this point, in addition, Luis Rubiales' mother has now retaliated against all of this and has gone on a hunger strike in a church in his hometown of Motril. That happened today. I don't know what's coming tomorrow. I, I'm scared to even start to question what could come tomorrow in all of this. But 
there is growing pressure from within Spanish football to get this guy out of there, and it's not just a brand-new thing. He's been a, a bad leader for the Federation on a number of different things, not involving the women's team exclusively, although he's done a lot of bad things in that regard. This is just the the, the tipping of the, the iceberg here at this point. This is This is it for Spanish football to have to deal with a lot of corruption, which is not unique to Spain. There's a lot of football federations around the world that have a lot of corruption. It has been a, and this term actually is very applicable here, it has been a very much old boys network in a lot of places and in, in a lot of state associations in the United States, for that matter. It has been an old boys network in this game for a long time. And it's not going to be sustainable for that to be the case going forward. Now, Rubiales was dumb enough to do something so ridiculous publicly and multiple things on that day, but uh, the unsolicited kiss of Ginny Hermoso is pretty bad. He did something so dumb and so public that he's going to get cast out and it's going to force change upon the Spanish Federation. Good. Good. It's got to happen in other places, too. Now, there are some situations when you get into this across the board in other federations where it's far more complicated. There's lots of different cultural things going on, and there are things that are are not normal for U.S. culture, for example, that happen in some other federations of other countries. I'm I'm sensitive to that. But in this case, Rubiales got to go. Spain's got to get it done, either through the government through the federation, through the regional federation heads. The clubs are starting to put some serious pressure on the Spanish federation. It's got to get done because if it keeps going like this, I don't know what ridiculousness could happen tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Speaking of ridiculousness, let's move on to number two, the European transfer window. It's closing on Friday. Silly season is definitely silly, and the top European leagues is going to close on Friday. I think the times stagger a little bit based on time zones. Keep in mind that Saudi Arabia's window is open for another 19 days afterwards. So they're going to be able to go and sign some players afterwards. The European clubs won't be able to go out and replace them. That's going to come up, at least in some situations. And there's one big one with Liverpool. Mohamed Salah, that that rumor won't go away. It just has not gone away. Al-Itihad supposedly throwing a blockbuster transfer, blockbuster salary on the table. Liverpool said it's not happening, but it's still there (laughs) and is going to be there after the window closes for Liverpool to be able to replace Salah. Oh, boy. Some other ones to keep an eye on over the next few days. Manchester City could go for a replacement for Kevin De Bruyne, who was out injured. Arsenal might need an injury replacement of their own. Jurian Timber, who came in this year, he's out for an extended period of time. Manchester United, injuries, they need a left back. Real Madrid has a bunch of injuries. They're saying they're done. We'll see if that's true. Chelsea supposedly want to spend more money. They, they've already spent over $350 million in this window. That's a new record. They need another attacker, according to Maurizio Pochettino. Okay, sure. Barcelona trying to get their deal done for Joao Cancelo. they got to get their finances in order to be able to register him. Yes, that's still an issue for Barcelona. They've pulled all the, the levers that they have, and I guess they're trying to find a few more. Atleti badly needed defensive midfielder, but they don't have the funds to go out and make a transfer. It's probably going to have to be a loan. 
and PSG trying to get Randall Colo Mwani, who I thought was great in the last World Cup for France, trying to get him from Eintracht Frankfurt. They're also trying to unload Marco Verratti, but they're asking for more than $50 million for him. That's going to be a price that might be tricky, although a Saudi Arabian club might come in and get that done. Number three on the headlines, U.S. Women's National Team. They will play a couple of friendlies in October against Colombia. These are both going to be out west. I wish they'd do one around here. I'd like to go see this game, actually. Uh, Colombia was a lot of fun in the last World Cup, and I want to see what the next iteration of the U.S. Women's National Team is going to look like. They're playing in Utah on October 26th and then playing in San Diego on October 29th. Colombia will be a good opponent. Them that will not be an easy matchup for the USWNT, and the young guns are starting to get firing again once they get back to NWSL play. Go and watch the the highlights of Trinity Rodman just schooling defenders over the weekend. Got to get her going again. Got to get Sophia Smith going again. Got to get some even younger talent going again. U.S. Women's National Team starting the road to the Olympics in October against Colombia. Number four on the headlines: John Herdman, the Canadian men's national team coach no more he will take over at toronto it was announced today maro biello will be the interim coach for canada remember canada's going to the next world cup they're going to host games so herdman walks away from that to go take over toronto uh he's going to stay through the month of september and help biello there canada's not playing any games in september because they don't have any money biello might be the guy through the world cup because they can't hire anybody else Canada is going to play Japan on October 13th in Japan. Now, Toronto confirmed that Herdman would assume his duties on October 1st. John Herdman, 48 years old, born in England, took over the men's national team in January of 2018. He had been with the women's national team before that. Took Canada to their first World Cup since 1986. They went 0-3, but they did something that they didn't do in 86. They scored a goal. They got a lot of headlines, I think, Maybe more positive headlines than their play deserved. Uh, they did get some negative headlines, especially in Croatia. Just do a Google search. Look for Croatian tabloids and John Herdman and have fun with that. Uh, he got a lot of credit for the qualification run where Canada had a record eight wins, four draws, two losses. They beat the U.S. They beat Mexico for the top spot, including the big 2-1 win over Mexico, cold night in Edmonton in November of 21. I'm not so sure that John Herdman's going to have that same type of success in Toronto. I also wonder how much say he's going to have over roster building because he's never done that before. He's never been at a club managing the day-to-day and even the day-to-day off the field. I am skeptical, let's just say. Number three on the things that make me smile about the game, number one there, Shabby Alonzo, his success as manager at Bayer Leverkusen. I've really been interested to see what his managerial career would look like. He's one of the few players who spent extensive time with Pep Guardiola and with Jose Mourinho. So he brings a little bit of both to the table. Leverkusen has been far more on the attacking side. They've been a lot of fun to watch. That's a team in the Bundesliga to keep an eye on. Xabi Alonso is a manager to keep an eye on. He'll be at an even bigger club sooner rather than later. Number two on things that make me smile about the game, being part of the Atlanta United Academy dinner tomorrow night. I've really loved getting to know the coaches, the players from the academy over the years, getting to see some of these players make their way all the way through like a Caleb Wiley from the U-12s to the first team to the national teams. There's a lot of good things happening in the academy, and the academy dinner is always a really cool kickoff to all of it. 
So really excited to be part of that and excited to do more stories on the Academy over the next few months here on Off the Woodwork as well. Number three, if you haven't seen it, the documentary that Atlanta United released on Thursday last week, the Back to the 90s video, it's on the club's YouTube page. I cannot recommend it enough. And not just because I'm an old school Atlanta music head, um, just a really cool way to display a city's culture, tie it into the soccer club. I mean, it's Atlanta United putting this out, but also talking about how that culture defines the club. And I thought it was really impressive to be able to balance all of that, tell the story, capture the story of somebody who was you know, in Atlanta during the 90s and saw everything from the music side, from the Olympics, all of that up close. I thought the, the video really captured it. Incredible documentary. Uh, Big-time shout-outs to the crew over at Atlanta United for getting it done. If you have not seen it, please take the time to watch it. It is definitely worth your time. Thanks for hanging out with me tonight. Next week, Atlanta Soccer Tonight, moving to Tuesdays, 10 p.m. You can always get it on demand if you subscribe to Off the Woodwork. Adios, everybody. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.